Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm well. Welcome to another week of Real Personal Finance. Excited to be here. Another week of Real Personal Finance. Another Same. week of Real Personal Finance Nation. So, yes. listeners, if you missed a big announcement, what can they do? They can be a part of a community who are all searching for their form of freedom. Uh, obviously, getting enough money in place so that you can make work optional is the key for most of us. Real Personal Finance Nation allows you to have access to your own Elements scorecard. It gives you access to a community in which you can learn together and also come together and share your challenges as well as your wins in finance. Why do we care about that? Because we don't talk about money nearly enough as a community as a whole. And we need a space, a safe space to come chat about money with each other. And that's what this space does. It also offers um, once a month an Ask Me Anything with either James or myself, where it's a webinar that is live at 11 a.m. Pacific. Probably the third Friday, my guess. We're just, we're sick, that's to come. But uh, with that, we're going to record those sessions and they'll be put up into the community right after. And we'll also slice them up into elements. So if you have a question about savings rate, it'll end up under the savings channel inside the community. And then you can go learn from other people from our the questions that we've answered. That's what it is. If you want to learn more, go to realpersonalfinance.co and click the nation. Love it. Cool. And today we have a question that really could be tied into that element scorecard. So we'll be through it. Yeah. But this question comes from Sean. Sean says, hey, guys, I'm a big fan of the podcast. How do you both think of the common wisdom that you should have a certain multiple of your income saved by a specific age? For example, you should have one times your salary saved by age 30, three times by age 40, six times by age 50, eight times by age 60, and 10 times by age 67. I'm in, I'm in a situation where my income has tripled between ages 30 and 35. As an example, let's say I had 100,000 saved at age 30, one times my salary, but I'm now 35 and my salary is now $300,000. I don't have 900,000 saved in retirement, which would be three times what's recommended. Yeah. In fact, it's about half of that. Am I in trouble? All right. Okay. Well, yes. thank you, Sean. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> You're no. in trouble. We let's stay. Solutions. Let's bounce. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this even a bit bigger picture here. Finances can be very chaotic and confusing. Absolutely. And as people, we don't like chaos. We don't like confusion. And so what yeah. we tend to do is we try to put things in boxes and we call those yeah. rules of thumb. Yeah. Okay. Here's the rule of thumb for how much you should have in stocks or in bonds. Here's the rule of thumb for how much you should have saved. Here's a rule of thumb for how much of your uh, income you'll need when it comes to retire. So there's just all these things which can maybe be a helpful place if you are literally in the dark and have no idea where to turn. But when you start diving deeper, 
these rules of thumb can cause issues when you start yeah. to see they're unrealistic and they might incentivize poor behavior if you're trying to follow them to a T. Agreed. You know, uh, we can go lots of directions with this, but the f- place I'd go first would be that, you know, Sean, you know, obviously you don't have to join Real Personal Finance Nation, but I just want to let you know, if you do, one of the things we're going to care about first, rather than the rule of thumb of how much how much assets should you have relative to your income, that matters if you have a very static income, meaning it doesn't really change maybe more than inflation, but yours did, which is why you're asking the question. Rather than focus on that, I would focus on what percent are you saving and is that remaining consistent or growing? What do you think, James? Yeah, I I think so because I just I ran a basic example of of based upon where Sean is here today, he has four hundred fifty thousand dollars saved. Sure. Let's just I'm guessing that he's saving at least fifteen percent of his income, probably yeah. more. When I look yeah. at he went from one hundred thousand to four fifty in five years. Yeah. If he took his thirty three hundred thousand per year, saved fifteen percent, into then until sixty seven, he would have about eleven point three million dollars in his portfolio at that point. Right. Right. Far more, far more than the 10 times salary that's recommended. So today he probably feels like he's in this position where based upon conventional wisdom and way, way behind. But if he just kept doing that and actually never increased his savings rate, he'd be way ahead at some point. Yeah. So what it shows is that's not, not necessarily the thing that you want to look at. The thing that you want to look at is what do you need in your specific situation to where you want to go in your specific situation? And savings rate is a huge part of that. This dovetails really nicely into where uh, where we want to go with um, Real Personal Finance Nation tying back into the show. Because in Real Personal Finance Nation, we're going to make it so there's going to be one main element a month that we focus on. And January is just a perfect time because it's when everyone renews their, va- their you know, come in, you come in with your uh, New Year's like, what, oh, I can't think of the name. What's it called? Resolution. But Resolution. We can, we, Thank you. We can say vows. Val, vows is fun too. Vows Thanks, would sir. be better because vows are broken just as often for a lot of people as, as resolutions. As resolutions That's are. why the divorce rate is so high in this country of ours. But um, but savings rate is a really good one to start the year, right? And and rather than focus on how was my income, how many times my salary do I have at this age, which variable income is going to make, especially growing income is going to make that look horrific. I would rather focus on your savings rate and what's a healthy savings rate. A savings rate between 10 to 15% is usually fairly healthy for most people if you're younger. When you get older, it probably needs to be somewhere around 15 to 20. And then a super healthy savings rate could be anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40, depending on how high your savings rate can go relative to your income. When it starts to get too high, that's when we start to worry that maybe you're not enjoying life along the way. So we actually want to make sure you're doing, you know, your your living rate and your debt rate makes sense for the lifestyle that you want to live. All of that can be done inside the Elements app really easily. You can also do it on at home just by listening. It's just a little bit more challenging. Yeah, and I think that we, I always like to think of a savings rate for what. Purpose. Are we just saving to hit Absolutely. some arbitrary goal of 10% or 15% or 20% right. of our income? Or are we trying to save to hit some portfolio value that is that that tipping point for when we say, okay, I am financially independent once I've hit that much of my savings because right. I can create enough passive income from that portfolio value right. to meet all my needs. Right. So when we understand what our expenses are, what portfolio size we would need to support that, 
then the savings rate becomes what's the rate I need to save to get from my portfolio value today to where I want it to be in the future. Yes. Obviously, assuming some variables like growth rate and and, and things like yes. that, but attach it to something unique to you, not just an arbitrary 10% or 15% rule. But even, and it even can be a touch more simplistic than that, because once you under, and this is why, um, Sean, this matters, because once you understand what do you need to live life each year? Like, I don't, did he give a number for what he needs to live life or did, no. no, let's just make up a number. Let's say you need a hundred thousand dollars a year to live life. Well, for you to make work optional, you need to grow investable assets, not accounting for social security, not accounting for any pension, just accounting for the investments of the portfolio to be probably around two and a half million to $3 million in the future, right? That's a, that's a 25 to 30, um, a 30 year runway. When you think of like the number of the years of assets it could provide to you without worrying about taxes, growth, anything, just super simple. But like the key there is you need to understand how much do you need first? Because if you need, let's just simple simplify the numbers. If you need if you need 200 grand, right? Then you need way more cash to get to 30, a 30 year multiple. Does that make sense? Yep. Am I making sense here? Yep. But like those are things that you can solve for pretty quickly. But then the main focus is just looking at your savings rate. How high is your savings rate? Can you make it higher in in line with the lifestyle that you want? Because to James's point, if you already know the lifestyle that you want, and like we have a few clients, I had a client, we were having a client conversation last week just about this. I showed them again for I think the second or third time that like they are financially free. And I feel like they still don't get it that they're financially free. Like they don't have to work anymore if they don't want to. They're like, how much should we be saving? And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, you literally, you can keep saving more, but you literally don't need to anymore. Mm-hmm. If you want to live hog wild for a couple of years before you go back to this dollar amount of spend that you've already you've already agreed to, like do it. You can spend every dollar that you make this year. Great. But the point that I'm making is once you understand that, it'll help you understand, do I want to work this hard? Would I choose to make half as much and have like 50% of my time be available for other things in life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. It does. Yeah. When you can get away, get away from those rules of thumb and get into what do you need? I think Sean's question is specific with regards to retirement, financial Mm -hmm. independence. And life's not just about retirement. It's not just about financial independence, but it is nice to know what, what do you need to save to be on track for that? Because when you come back to your cash flow today, Yes. You can say, I, I start with 100% of my income. Then I'm going to allocate that to taxes, to debt, to spending, and to savings. When I know how much the savings is going to be, the rest of my income can go to cover those other three buckets. And I don't have to yep. think about it. So it, it helps you to understand what can lifestyle look like today while prioritizing what you want it to look like in the future as well. So Absolutely. it really does look at everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Where would you go with this to be help a bit more helpful for him? Because I think savings rates the big is the punchline, but what else could we be looking at um, to help him get his self dialed in? Yeah, I think there's three main elements I would look at. One is just cash flow, so not just cash flow today. Cash flow is just what are you, what's your income, what are your expenses. I yeah. want to know what those expenses are because then we have somewhat of a target of what do we need to be able to create and passive income at some point for you to be okay. Mm-hmm. That then tightly works backwards into savings rate. So we talked about, okay, how much do you need to be saving to be able to have a portfolio that can meet those expenses in the future? And the other thing too, especially as your portfolio balance starts growing more and more, 
less of that growth is going to be coming from the dollars you put into your portfolio and more of it's going to be coming from growth on your dollars. So you can't control your growth rate. You can't just tell the market, I'd like 10% this year, or I'd like 8% this year, but you can control the way that you're invested. So can you invest across types of asset classes that will get you the growth that you need to get where you want to go and have that right balance between preservation or growth or income or whatever you need from your assets to support what you're trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. The cool thing and the... (laughs) I'm going to stop because I'm I'm, gonna, I'm I'm so excited about Real Personal Finance Nation. I keep I keep thinking about the element score and how we help people. To your point, though, for their income as a whole, there's four key elements that we always want you to look at. Now, you can do this at home. It's just if you decide to join the nation and get the app, it makes it so much easier for you. But it's, hey, what's your income this year, Sean? Get, get rough number. What percent of that are you saving? What percent of that do you need to live? What percent of that's going to debt payments? What percent of that's going to taxes? And you really want to get to where close to 100% of it's accounted for. And I say close because taxes are backward looking. So if you use 2021 tax numbers for 2022, it's probably not exact, right? And then savings is probably pretty dialed, as is your debt payments, but life is a variable expense. It goes up and down. So we're we're not going to nail it perfectly, but let's just get closer So you can be really mindful about where's every dollar going and does this make sense to me? And from there, it kind of ties into the conversation that um, James and I always come back to. Are you saving too much and not allowing yourself to live enough life today? Are you living too much today and not allowing yourself to ever retire? Right? Like these, it's like those four little components that add up to total income tell you so much about the life that you're living. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think, as I mentioned before, retirement is not the be all end all, but as you start to, you take your income, your cash flow, you start to allocate, where does this income need to go starting with retirement? And then, okay, what about lifestyle today? And what about college planning or saving for that home or saving for that vacation or saving for that sabbatical? It just is a really good place to start as you start like filling up the buckets. What do I need to be doing with my savings to fill up that retirement bucket? Then house, then and as you start doing it, you're probably going to notice some tension of, oh, geez, I can't retire at this age and send kids to this college and buy this house and do this on travel. Maybe, maybe not. And as you start to have that tension, you say, okay, what are my priorities here? Mm-hmm. What, which one do I want to prioritize first? Are there trade-offs that can be made to maybe I don't save more, but I work longer. Maybe I don't yep. cut out these trips, but I do them in a different way. Yep. It finances can be so overwhelming, but if we just start somewhere and start to get a clearer and clearer and clearer picture as we go through it, it really starts to make sense as you see how that cash flow is being distributed. That's to me what you just described is like that is what good financial planning is all about. It's getting some set of objective data. We use elements in this instance on the show now, right? To understand where is someone today understanding the life that they're living, what's the next step that we can take? And then the cool thing about um, a, something like an Elements, and you can try to do it on your own at home too. I'm not just saying to just use Elements or the, or the nation, but every 90 days, you want to be re-upping that information because then you're just coming back and you're saying, okay, what changed in the world? We didn't know what would happen in the last 90 days, but what actually did happen? Did I increase my savings rate? Did I spend more than I thought I was going to? Did my taxes go up or down? What happened to my investment accounts? 
And then once you see that data, you can ask yourself the question, knowing what I know about myself, my life, and what's coming up next, what's the next step I should take? And to James's point, like that's what that's really what financial planning is. It's one giant project management just around this very, very emotional thing called money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything else you would add to Sean's question here? No, I think I think we've already nailed it. It's it comes down focus on savings rate over the the rule of thumb numbers. Um how and, and you can once you know what your annual spend is if it's not going to change much, you can take that and multiply it times 25 or 30 to get to what your final number needs to be. And then you can back into based on your savings rate how quickly will you get there? Yeah. And I would say just to answer Sean's question directly, he says, am I in trouble? From what I can tell Sean, no. If you've gone from 100,000 in retirement savings to 450 in five years, it seems like you're doing a pretty darn good job of saving. The person who would be in trouble there, to be clear though, for all the listeners, is someone who goes from 100 to 300K and they keep their savings rate the same. Like if you have a 10% savings rate, and you're saving 10 grand and now you're saving 30, it actually makes it harder and harder to reach financial freedom because your tax rate's getting higher and your spend is getting higher. And it's hard, it's sometimes harder to let go of that creep in lifestyle that happened relative to just keeping lifestyle the same or letting it creep up a little, but not a lot and putting more to savings that creates more freedom and more opportunity for yourself than yeah. doing the opposite. Yep. Yep, fully agree. And that's why the the need for personalized scorecard or personalized plan is so important is find that right number, not just the rule of thumb number. Yes, find your own number. And you can do yeah. that at Real Personal Finance Nation if you want. I'm going to stop talking about it on the show. Maybe we'll do like a 30 second spot for it in the middle. And that'll be it because I'm too excited. <laughs> well, realpersonalfinance.co in case you missed the uh, first five shout outs from Scott here. At realpersonalfinance.co, click on Nation. Join the community, get the scorecard, get access to more material, and we will see you all next time. Till then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co, and there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for Scott and I to answer on a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.